0: This morning we're going to continue in the thoughts that we've been in on uh, speaking on Kairos and uh, for those who haven't been around we've uh, spent a couple of weeks um, opening up this theme that is uh, going to be so central um, to our vision and to our journey as a church community over the next uh, 12 months and um, so important that we understand this meaning of Kairos for such a time as this because Kairos as we've been looking at is a word that speaks of an opportune moment. For us, a God moment, a right moment, a favorable moment, as it says up there, for decision or action. And at Family Church, we've been saying that we believe we are in a Kairos moment. I said last week, we don't believe we're about to step into one. We don't believe there's one on the horizon someday, somewhere. We believe right now in what we're seeing across all of our locations. We are in a Kairos moment moment. Right now, when we look at the world around us, we understand we are in a Kairos moment. We are in a moment of divine, God-orchestrated opportunity. And God has positioned us for such a time as this. So let me give a very quick recap for those who haven't been um, around. I won't take too long on this. And all the messages are, always are available on our media channels. But we spoke about um, what Kairos is and what it means in week one. Week two, we talked about understanding the time that we're in, and we talked about what time is it, that it is time, not just Kronos, which talks of a natural time, but Kairos, it is time to be spiritually alive and alert, amen? It is time for the church to arise and shine, and it's not a time right now to shrink back, to give in, to give in to the fear of this world around us. We spoke also not just about knowing our time, but also knowing our purpose and position in this kairos moment, out of an understanding that the same God who positions or sorry, the same God who designs certain moments is the same God who positions us in those design moments for his purposes. We talked about the truth that God is a purpose-driven God. You read throughout the Bible, everything really he does, he's purposeful. He's intentional about everything, including your life. And the fact that you're alive in this moment for such a time as this has a meaning, and a purpose. So this week, having looked at understanding the time, having looked at understanding our position and our purpose, I want to speak about understanding our response to this moment. Because when we talk about People in the Bible that we've looked at over the last few weeks, people like Esther and Joseph, we see that not only did they understand the time that they were in, not only did they understand their position and their purpose in that moment, but they understood what their due response was to the moment that was at hand. We spoke about Esther, didn't we, a number of times over the last few weeks. She understood. The time. She understood that she'd been placed in a royal household for such a time as this. But she still chose to step forward in response to what God was doing in that moment. Joseph, we spoke about Joseph in passing last week, that he was somebody who understood the time that God had positioned him. He understood his purpose in that time. He'd had many dreams growing up of what God was going to do in that moment. And so he understood all of that, but he still had to make the decision to step forward in response to what God was doing in that moment. There's many more that we could look at, but one I want to look at this morning is Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah, his account fits so much of what we've looked at over the last few weeks, but I believe also will speak directly into our lives. So if you've got your Bible with you, we we'll are turning into the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. If you don't have your Bible with you, then the words uh, will come up behind me uh, in a moment. As I said, it encompasses so much of what we looked at. It's going to speak directly into our lives, and um, we're going to talk through his journey. Firstly, let me give you the background to what we're about to read. What we're about to read in Nehemiah chapter 1, or the whole account of Nehemiah, takes place um, at a moment, a chronos moment of 446 BC. So 446 years before Jesus uh, was around on the earth, this is the moment where this takes place. And Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king of Persia, which essentially means that he was a wine taster. Now, some of you may like that job, you think, oh I quite like the sound of that job. But the reason that he was in that position was to make sure that the wine wasn't poisoned. Right? So if it was poisoned, it was going to kill him and not the king. So you may like the sound of a job, but it was a very high pressured, high risk um, role, and that's the role that he had to the cup he was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. Nehemiah, we're told, was a Jewish man. But we don't know whether it actually ever been to Israel, because a hundred years before what we're about to read, there'd been an invasion of Jerusalem, and the Babylonians had come in, they'd taken, they'd torn down the walls and invaded the land, and they'd taken a whole load of them into captivity in Babylon. And so here is Nehemiah, a hundred years after that invasion, working for the king. we're going to pick up the account in Nehemiah chapter one, verse one. It says, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I, this is Nehemiah speaking in the first person, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace." The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. So here's Nehemiah. He's in a place of comfort in Babylon, and one day he hears about how terrible things are for the Jewish people back home. They're in great disgrace and great trouble. The walls have been torn down. And we've got to understand, this wasn't like a garden wall had been kicked over and could just be put back together again. These were the city walls that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And this was their defense mechanism. So the fact that the walls had been torn down, the fact that the gates had been burnt down, meant that enemy armies could come in and invade the land and they were vulnerable to attack. And so this was pretty major in this moment. And Nehemiah hears all of this. And being a Jewish man, his heart is moved. And his life is ripped open. He, he can't be the same again because he goes from being ignorant of the need to being aware of the need, and that need becomes his burden. Verse 4, what we just read, it says, When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. You see, what happens in this moment is Nehemiah realizes this is a Kairos moment. Okay? The Kronos, the actual time, is 446 BC in the month of Kislev. But, but this is a Kairos moment. There is something that God has positioned me on the earth to do. This is a moment where God wants us to respond. He gets this burden. He begins to understand the time. He also begins to understand his purpose, that something must be done. And he also understands his position. But God has placed him exactly where God needs him and wants him to be. And so he goes to the king of Persia and he asks for an audience with him. And he asks three things or different things. He asks that he could have some annual leave, essentially. He says, can I have some time off? I want to go back to Jerusalem and see what is happening. I want to see this for myself. He also asks him for Letters. Modern day, that would be like visas. He's asking him for visas. Can I travel through these different regions in safety? Can you write the letters for me as the king in order that I can go without any trouble? And he also asked him to write a letter to the guy who was in charge of the forest, the king's forest, in order that he can get some timber so that he can go and rebuild the walls. So he understands his position. And the favor of God is clearly upon Nehemiah. Why? Because it's a Kairos moment. The favor of God is upon Nehemiah. He gets all that he wants. And he goes and in fact in a few verses time almost in passing he mentions that not only has the king done all of this but he's also sent protection officers with him in order for him to travel with them. He's protected. The favor of God is upon Nehemiah because Nehemiah is in a Kairos moment. And we get to chapter 2 and he begins to look around Jerusalem. He begins to see what's happening. He's talking with people. He's witnessing it with his own eyes, and his heart is moved even further. He says something must be done. A rebuilding must take place. And so we get to Nehemiah chapter 2. Let's read from verse 17. Nehemiah two seventeen. he gets the Jewish leaders together. And he says, You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so they began the good work. I love the response of the Jewish, let's rebuild the wall. We can do this, reminiscent of, of Joshua and Caleb in Numbers chapter 13. Surely we can go and take the land that God has given to us. And so they understood the time. They understood that God had positioned them in this moment. And they began to understand what this, their response needed to be. So the people say yes. They step forward. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3, we begin to get this beautiful picture of a rebuilding taking place. I just want to dig into a couple of verses on this. Nehemiah 3, verse 1 to 3. It says, Then Eli- Eliashib, the high priest, and other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred. Which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jer- Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zuku, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hasana. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts. And bars, and you get the idea, you go on through this chapter and you see this over and over again. This family rebuilt this section. This group of people built this section. This other individual built this section. All these families, all these individuals, all these people responding because they understood this Kairos moment that was at hand. And we even read this in verse 14. The list is continuing and uh, different people are rebuilding different areas. And we come to this moment in verse 14 and it says, The dungate was repaired by Malkijar, son of Rekab, the leader of the Beth Hakurum district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed it its bolts and bars. So here was a man, Malkijar, everybody say Malkijar. Now I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong, so forgive me if I am and you're some kind of scholar in terms of how to pronounce these names. Malkijar, if you f- remember nothing else from the message today I want you to remember that one name, Malkijah, because it's so important to who God has called us to be. Here is Malkijah who said, I will do whatever it takes. And so he's rebuilding the Dungate. Now that isn't a spiritualized, it it is what it means, right? It's not like some kind of Hebrew that spiritualizes it. It's the Dungate. So at worst case, this is where all the feces from the entire city were left. In the best case scenario, it was where all the the rubbish and the garbage was left. This literally meant, in the original language, the gate of the garbage. And yet here is this man, Malkajar who says in this moment, this is a Kairos moment, and I need to respond to what God is calling me to do. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it takes, no matter what other people think, I want to be a part of what God is doing because he needs me for such a time as this. It's incredible, the heart of the people to respond to this Kairos moment. And you carry on, and there's this group and this group, and everybody's supporting the vision, apart from one group. And this could be easily missed when you go down through the list, but I believe there was a group of people who, who probably understood the time. They understood probably even their purpose and their position, yet for whatever reason, they didn't understand, or maybe they chose not to understand their due response. Now, this could be easily missed when you're reading through the list, but I believe it's significant. Nehemiah 3, verse 5 says this. Nehemiah 3, verse 5. Next were the people from Tekoa. And so he's listing all these people. He says, next were the people from Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with a construction supervisor. New King James Version says, they did not put their shoulders to the work Of the Lord. So you have all these people who are responding to this God moment, this Kairos moment, and then you get to the leaders of Tekoa. Now, why why didn't they join in? I, I don't know the exact reason. All we're told is that they wouldn't work with their construction supervisors. So maybe it was down to pride. Maybe they thought this work is. Beneath me. Maybe they thought that there's an old family feud between the construction supervisors and the, the tribe of Turkoa. We, we don't know. Maybe there was a lack of submission and, and unity because the literal translation of the Hebrew means that they wouldn't bend their necks, they wouldn't put their shoulders to the work that God wanted them to do. I don't know the exact reason. All we know is this that their legacy is so tainted that their legacy is one, that they were the only tribe and the only group who didn't join in with the rebuilding that God had called them to do. And here we are thousands of years later in a, in a hall in Botley Drive on the south coast of England, they've still got a negative reputation. What a terrible legacy to have. That they were the only tribe who didn't respond to what God was doing out of a lack of submission and unity and all those kinds of things. But in this Kairos moment, everyone else knew the time. They knew their position. They understood their purpose. And their decision to respond caused an amazing rebuild to take place. We come to verse 15 of Nehemiah chapter 6. It says, So on the October the 2nd, the wall was finished. Just 52 days after we had begun. And when our enemies in the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. An amazing feat. Only accomplished through the grace of God, but also realized because of the response of the people in that moment. So let's fast forward to, to 2023. Because maybe you're here and you're thinking, what on earth is the rebuilding of a wall in this area of Jerusalem thousands of years ago got to do with my life and your life today in the year 2023. Here's the parallel. Nehemiah knew this was a Kairos moment. He knew God was calling him to something, and that need became fuel for his response. Why? Because God had opened his eyes. The question for each and every single one of us in this Kairos moment as we look at the time in which we're in, is this, are our eyes open to understand, as we said a couple of weeks ago, the time that we are living in? Do we carry a sense of urgency? Do we carry a burden? Do we carry a passion concerning family members and friends who don't yet know Jesus? Do we carry an urgency concerning people who are lost and need God, broken families, the hurting, the marginalized, the vulnerable, the rich who have all the wealth and the car and the house and all that kind of stuff, but don't have God. And and I ask that pointed question today because I want us to get a burden individually and corporately and a sense of urgency because it's that urgency and that burden that will cause us to move into action. I, I don't want us to come along and do a service once a week on a Sunday, I want us to get a burden for this community, for this town that God has placed us in for such a time as this. And I want us to respond like Nehemiah does. Now what's the first thing Nehemiah does when he gets this burden, when he receives this urgency? The first thing he does is he prays. Chapter 1 we read earlier, it records that he spends time weeping, fasting, praying, interceding through his city. Now here's a challenging question. Do we care enough about the time that we're in and about the need that God represents to us and the brokenness of this Kairos moment to actually pray about it? Because we can now identify the moment that we're in. We can point the finger and say, oh, isn't this such a terrible time that we're living in? Isn't isn't truth being corroded? All this kind of stuff. But are we actually praying about it because everything must be rooted and find its foundation in prayer? And so we, part of our needed response in this Kairos moment, to be a praying people, knowing with confidence that our prayers make a difference. Amen? Amen. But then we see that Nehemiah didn't just pray, he also stepped forward. Too many people step forward without actually the foundation of prayer. Other people spend their entire lives praying, but never actually step forward into what God has called them to do. It's not evil or all, but it's both. We see that Nehemiah didn't just pray, he also stepped forward. And as we've been saying, so did all these other people step forward to such a degree that something that was so broken and destroyed was rebuilt in just 52 days for the glory of God. Nehemiah shared a vision of what God wanted and what God needed And the people aligned their lives passionately in response. And I want us to see today that yes, we've been talking about the fact that this Kairos moment means something for us individually. There's an individual response. There's an individual responsibility to this Kairos moment at hand. But there's also one for us together as a church family. There's also one for us together as a family of God placed here in heaven for such a time as this. Because as I said last week, God is an intentional God. And God has brought us together, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different stages of life. And God has brought us together in this community for such a time as this. That God has placed us in this moment on purpose for a purpose. Do we believe that this morning? And if we're going to outwork the plans that God has for us in this community, in this Kairos moment, in such a way that God alone gets the glory, in such a way that it's amazing. It's powerful when people are left looking not at us but looking at God. Then it needs a group of people to not only understand the time, not only understand our position and purpose in the time, but also to understand our response in this moment. What I'm saying this morning is that for Family Church Haven to do all that God has called it to do, it needs you. Not just a person sitting next to you. Not just a person behind you or your spouse or you know your child or your grandpa whoever it is but automatically you think well no that's a, I'll, I'll just have sloping shoulder that's not me he's talking to you but that person as you dig them in the ribs no actually i'm talking to you today family church haven't needs you and god needs you to respond you have a part to play in seeing god's purposes come to pass through family church haven't every single one of us have a role to play And so just as Nehemiah said to the Jewish people, let's get rebuilding the wall. I want to send out a call today as we continue to speak on this Kairos moment. I want to send out a call. Let's be found serving the purposes of God in our own generation. Amen. Let's not be found just going through the motions. Let's not be found playing at church. Let's serve the purposes of God in our own generation. Let's step up and serve a vision for how God wants to use this church in our generation. Now, before I launch into... Some of the practicalities of that. I want to first take a moment to honor and to thank so many people who actually are giving so much of their talents, their time, their passion, their knowledge, their experience, their finance to the house of God on a continual basis. Now, I'm not going to name names because whenever you do that, then you leave somebody else and then I've got out and then I've got a queue at the end saying, why didn't you mention me? Um, And also because there's too many people to actually mention for this to actually be a reality. But there are so many people who every single Sunday morning, let's pick on that just for a moment are given of their unique talents and abilities, are given of their time, are serving in their own individual way to make the celebration, uh, the weekly celebration that we have of God's goodness come to pass. But we know that church is not just Sunday morning, right? We've graduated out of that. It's not an event that we turn up to on a Sunday morning. Church is you and I. We are the church. We are the people of God. And on a continual basis, 24-7, the church of Jesus Christ is advancing and taking ground. Every single week, there are people under the sound of my voice today who are stood there supporting one another at different seasons, different times. There are connect group leaders who weekly or bi-weekly open up their homes and their lives in order to foster Christian community and spiritual growth. There are those who support others and visit others when they're in hospital or in a time of crisis. There are people doing maintenance and cleaning of this building. There are people serving our wider community For our community outreaches that take place every week, there are people giving up their evenings to invest in the spiritual journey of our young people. There are people who are switching off their TV and instead of catching up on what they want to watch, they turn off their TV of an evening and spend that evening just praying through a list of people in our congregation. And I want to honour each and every single one of you for the part that you play this morning. You see, what I love in... The account of Nehemiah is you had this group of people building here and this individual and this family and all these people, all these personality types coming together because it takes all sorts of different people to rebuild the walls as God would want them built. And in this passage, we see the power of everyone contributing, the power Of team, Listen, God is needing a group of people in family church heaven who will know the Kairos moment that we are in, who will understand their position and their purpose, but also will step forward to give her their time, their resources, their talents, their skills, their gifts to turn the vision into reality. You see, that's why each and every single one of you count, not just the person next to you. Each and every single one of you in this room count because the people in Nehemiah's account weren't all builders. We can think, oh, he got a construction trade in. He got this group of people. No, no, no. They weren't all builders. They came from every single walk of life. But they just knew that God had called them to something. And they came ready to get their hands dirty and do whatever it takes. And I see, Kirsty, and I see so many people here week in, week out, serving throughout the week, serving on a Sunday, whatever it might be, who are doing exactly that. And I want to encourage you, keep doing what you're doing with all of your heart. Even if it means... Building the dung gate, like our mate Malkajar, right? Because for God to do what he wants to do for the area of family church haven't, then we all need to make sure there's a little bit more of Malkijar in us and a little less the tribe of Chocoa within us. It means that we step forward when other people don't. It means that we'll do things that don't get all the glory so that God gets all the glory. It means that we'll do the stuff behind the scenes. It means that we'll do the things that no one else is volunteering for because otherwise a part of what God is looking to build won't be done. So I want to thank you and I want to honor each and every single one of you. Now for others of you, this message is not a rebuke, far from it, but it's an invitation and an encouragement. We need you on board for this Kairos moment, for us to do all that God has called us to do, stepping into our future. I believe it's time to step forward. It's time to step forward from just being served to actually being involved in serving others. You say well what's the model of that Jesus. Mark 10 verse 45 says this. For even the son of man. Even Jesus came not to be served. But to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom. For many. Think of it this way. Whether it was this church. Or another church community. In which you found faith. There were people serving God. In order that you could begin relationship With Jesus Christ. When we step forward, we stop being just a spectator to what God is doing, and we start being a participator in what God is doing in this moment in a way that is modeled by Jesus. We need to step forward. We need to step forward to to carry Jesus where he wants to go and do the things that he's called us to do. Just like the the donkey that Pastor Andy has spoken about so many times that that took Jesus literally into the city of Jerusalem. We need to be people who daily say, God, use my lives Not just on a Sunday morning, but God, use my life to carry the message of the gospel, to carry the kingdom wherever you need it and want it to be. And we need to step forward to be that unhidden soul and light that God has called us to be. This is a Kairos moment. And it's time to know our response. It's time to step forward and do the best with the gifts that God has given you. Now, often when we speak of gifts... In a church context and setting, people automatically think, well, it's, it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's the spiritual gifts. Yes, of course, that's part of what God is calling us to use, but God has made us natural as well. God wants you to use not just your spiritual giftings that He's given you by the way of the Holy Spirit, but He also wants you to use your natural talents and resources. The wall of family church haven't needs your giftings. Now, listen, in way, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He's writing to a church community. Remember, this wasn't this thing that he was writing for theological doctrine. He was writing this to a bunch of people like you and I, a bunch of people in the church, and he writes this in Romans twelve six to 8 In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others then serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. Do you know that we need people who understand that their gifting in the house of God is to be encouragers and to be the best encouragers that God has called them to be. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In Nehemiah's rebuilding project... It took everyone playing their part to see the miracle come to pass. And we need you playing your part, whatever that may look like. So it may look like having a smiley face and giving somebody a great welcome as they come into the house of God on a Sunday morning. While Connect Group were talking this week about how people end up being branded just give me a wave if you've ever been brended and you know what that brenda in our hosting team is incredible at bringing people into the house of god and making them feel so welcome they never want to leave and always want to stay in the house of god we all need to have a little bit of brenda within us but we are people who welcome people to, but if that's a gifting that you have then we need you to step forward and be a part of what god is calling us to do in this moment whether it's being a helper in a different kids church programs and that doesn't mean you have to stand out the front and teach that may mean that you sit next to a child and just show interest in them and be a part of what they're doing whether it's making teas and coffees on a wednesday morning for our tots and toys community outreach whether it's giving financially to the house of god whether it's taking time to pray with and for others in our church family whether it's encouraging the young people in their spiritual journey and their faith whether it's pulling chairs away at the end of a service whatever it might be the response is not to look at what we can't do but to step forward and look at what we can do so that we can play our part in what God is doing through Family Church Haven in this Kairos moment. So the application of this message today is a very practical one off the back of two weeks where God was doing some stuff within our hearts, and it's now a very practical one. If you're not yet involved in rebuilding the wall that Family Church Haven has been called to build, whether that's on a Sunday morning, whether that's during the week, but then I want to challenge you. And I want to encourage you, step forward. Be a part of what God is doing, because it will transform your experience of church. Not only will you go from being a spectator to being a participator, you'll experience the joy of God using your life. And you'll get to know people, I promise you, who will become lifelong friends and support you in your spiritual journey, which is actually the most important thing that comes first before we understand what it is to step forward. So on our website, very practical on our website family.church on the app that you can download to your phone we can show you how to do that if you don't know how to do that but there's a section which simply says get involved and it's as easy as that which lists a a whole load of ways that you can get involved in playing your part or you can speak to us directly you can email us haven't at family.church we'll make it as easy as possible for you to find out how you could get involved in serving the house of God now maybe you say for whatever reason I, I can't serve Practically in that way, maybe because of health, maybe because of age. Listen, I want you to hear what I'm saying. There is still always a part of a wall that you can rebuild. Whether it's through your encouragement, whether it's through your praying, whether it's through the the wisdom that you bring to the house of God, whether it's through making time for people and encouraging the younger people in their journey and in their faith. This is a Kairos moment that involves everyone. And if we understand, the time that we're in, and if we understand our purpose and our position in that time, then that just leaves our response in this moment. Let me, let me end with this. Helen, you can come up. We're going to wrap this up now. Let me end with these words. And If you've been part of the journey of Family Church haven't for a while, you would have heard me share on this before, but we're constantly seeing new people come and join the journey, and so it's important that they hear what God has spoken but I also believe it's really important for us as a church community to be constantly reminded of what God has spoken over us as a church community so I want to share some words that that I wrote about seven years ago July 2016 and I remember waking up in this hotel room in London now strangely enough very weirdly uh, Matt's here and Matt was in that hotel room he was snoring He was less spiritual than me he was catching up when he's snoring after his peppermint tea the night before but let's just leave that there but God woke me up in that that moment and and I wasn't sat at a desk thinking right now I'm going to write down what what God is speaking I woke up and all I can describe is that the Holy Spirit was speaking into my life and I began to 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 frantically write this down as, as quickly as possible because of what the holy spirit was downloading that was seven years ago and it was actually seven years into the journey of family church heaven we're now 14 years this year of what god is doing through our church community and what i love when i read this again this week and i just every now and then remind myself of what the holy spirit has spoken not over me but over us as a group of people in this kairos moment when i read it i started to see god you've done this and you've done this and you've done, and this is come to pass and, and, and you've been faithful to your word in, in this area and, and that area and yet there's still other bits that we're still yet to see but I know that the one who has spoken it is faithful to perform it in and for us so let me read this this morning as I do I pray that those who are already playing your part I pray that you would be reminded of a why behind the what you know, too many churches make the mistake of just saying, serve, 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 serve. And all we end up with is people who are tired out, who are burnt out, who, who are in that place of not understanding why we're doing it. And that's where offense and all that kind of stuff creeps in. I pray that you would be reminded of a why behind the what of what we do. But for others who maybe you've been coming along for a little while and you say, I, I feel like this is starting to be hope. I pray that it would be an encouragement to step forward into all that God has for us. I wrote this. I close my eyes and I dream. I dream of a church where the doors are wide open, where young and old, black and white, find home, where laughter fills the corridors and children run with joy, where conversations are seasoned with love and guidance. Grace is the anthem, but truth is never compromised. I dream of a church where salvation is daily, prodigals return and those on the edge jump in. I dream of a church where people are healed physically, emotionally and spiritually, where Jesus gets the credit and he alone is famous. A place where the lonely find family and families find community, where all are honoured regardless of their past or background, where mistakes are simply a starting point for the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. I dream of a church where people queue to get in, desperate to see God at work in their lives, where the people are hungry to glorify God and not just see what he can do for them. A place where the welcome is like heaven and the worship is authentic, where the word is preached with power and lives are never the same again. This church is full of disciples, not a crowd waiting to be entertained. The broken are restored, the hurting filled with hope. New stories are being written and Jesus is the author. Whole families are changing, their future laced with potential. That which was ruined is renewed by the one who makes all things new. I dream of a church where community programs have impact and outreach is equal salvation, where rooms are so full new plans are made for growth, where leaders are raised and missionaries are sent. A church from which new churches are planted and new communities are reached. This church is marked by passion and love. People matter over programs, everyone a VIP. Excellence is evident, generosity our second nature. This church is advancing, taking new ground, buying buildings and having influence beyond its size, breathing new life into areas that were dead. A dream of a church increasingly, we- increasing weekly in number yet within the numbers every life matters. A church where the one is valued and never overlooked. Where people dare to dream their own dreams again. Where those who never felt worthy feel accepted and those drifting through life find purpose. The fulfilment of this dream hinges on God's favour and grace for unless God builds the house we labour in vain. Yet it also requires people, people who dare to believe that all things are possible and God truly does do exceedingly beyond our wildest dreams, people who will stop at nothing to see God's kingdom come, people who will see answers and not challenges, who will find solutions and not problems, people who are willing to pay the price personally and financially to see the fulfillment of a dream, to see those who were dead in sin now alive in Christ. I am willing to count the cost. I am willing to pay the price. Lord, let us not play church. Let us change the world. It begins in heaven and it begins today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that before the Beginning of time, before you laid the foundations of the earth, you had a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us. We know that to be true individually. And Lord, I just pray for every individual who feels like they're just drifting through life, who feel like there is no purpose to their days. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just breathe a new sense of purpose and destiny and meaning and reason into their life as we spoke of last Sunday. But Lord, today, as we look at what you've called us to together, for such a time as this Father I thank you that you've placed us in this church family some from day one 14 years ago some just this very week have stepped in for the very first time whatever it looks like no matter when we stepped on board what you were doing in this area Father I thank you that you've brought us together for such a time as this Lord that we understand this is a Kairos moment Father today we make the decision having understood the time that we are in having looked around at the world and the brokenness that we find ourselves in right now, knowing what you are doing, knowing that this is a Kairos moment, having understood our purpose and our positioning in this moment, that we are alive and breathing air for such a time as this. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would move on our hearts to give a due response this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person who serves your purposes so passionately in their own generation. And Father, for each and every single one of us, I pray that as we all join together, Father, just like other people in the time of Nehemiah, looked and said, only God could have done this. Father, I pray that as people see what you are doing through this ministry that they would be left saying only God could do this. Father we don't want a name for family church, we don't want a name for individuals we want the name of Jesus Christ to be lifted high above this community we want the people of Lee Park to be saying the name of Jesus not as a swear word but to be saying it as a way of glorifying what you have done in their lives Jesus we want you to be in control of marriages, in control of families we want you to be leading the young people of this community in a direction that is godly father we thank you that this area won't be known for knife crime this area won't be known for headlines of murder this area will be known for headlines of god's goodness and his glory being manifested in our community for such a time as this so father we just say use us just like isaiah who said send me father we say send us Not just when we gather, but when we scatter. Father, this coming week, send us into our workplaces. Send us into our neighbourhoods. Send us into our friendship circles. Send us into our families. And Lord, may we be used for your kingdom purposes in the areas where you have placed us. Father, we want your son to be glorified in and through our lives and through this church community in this Kairos moment. So, Father, may this word just resonate with us, whatever way that looks like. Lord, may your Holy Spirit encourage us in this moment for what we are a part of has an eternal meaning and an eternal purpose upon it. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise for what he's doing in our next century.